All right. Good evening. Hope you're all doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Kiddushin Daf Ayin Dalit, and we're starting about 12 lines from the bottom of Ayin Gimel Amidbez at the words Tanu Rabbanon. We had been discussing people who are trusted out of the gates. Uh, and here are some more examples. Tanu Rabbanon, the rabbis have taught us, Ne'emenes Chaya, a midwife is believed, Lomar Zeh Kohen, that this child that I just delivered is a Kohen, Vizeh Levi, Vizeh Nosin, Vizeh Mamzer, we trust her. However, when is this true? Bamedvar Mamurim, Shelokara Alei, Shem Iror. When there's no negative claim against the child. Aval Kara Alei Iror, Eina Ne'emenes. So then the Gemara says that we only trust her when there's no claim against her. So we trust her, but we trust her in limited scope. The Gemara then says, what? We trust her when there's nothing competing. When there's nothing competing, when the scenario is pristine, then we trust her. It's not that we don't trust her. We trust her when the scenario, like a regular birth, would be a scenario that we would trust her. Right. But the point is, she doesn't have more monasteries than anybody else. If there's a question, it's not because of her gender. It might have been the same thing with a man too. But it's, now it's an well, error against. Okay. A, right. But it's not a din in not trusting her. It's that when there's a competitive taina against that scenario, then then we don't trust her. Then we need she two aid. She's a coin or a whatever. She knows the family. She's a, she's the doula. She's the midwife. I understand, but you know. She may be there for the attending. I, you're asking good, but we do we do trust her because there's we have halachic assumptions mm-hmm. to assume that, that the husband is the father. So when she sees the couple in the room, the husband sitting in the room, uh, you know, encouraging his wife. So then, yeah, the baby's a coin. We trust her as long as there's no error. Because remember, the husband's relationship to his child is, is a chazaka. It's not a vados. So that when the chazaka is in place, no problem. When there's an error on the chazaka, then it's a problem. So it says the Gemara, ir or demai. Who is, what is the ir or over here? What, what is it that we're concerned about? The Gemara says, ir if you want to say that the chaya is not ne'emenes when one person goes up against her, that can't be. Ve'ha'amar, Rabbi Yochanan, that one person's claim is not even valuable. Ein ir or pachos mishnayim. So now we've just qualified our machlokas more. If there's a one person who says about the midwife, I disagree with you, we ignore that person because we need two people to have a valid opinion. So to take Texas' question, we trust her even against one. That's dumb. One person is irrelevant. She, If she says this baby's a coin, the baby's a coin. Aye, there's one person complaining, she wins over that person because an ear or requires two. So it says the Gemara, Ella, it must be ear or tray. It must be that when the Brisa says that we only trust a chaya, um, when there's no ear or it must be that when there is an ear that there must be two people and that's answer number one and says the Gemara seven lines from the bottom perhaps we can say perhaps we can say that the Chaya is also not trusted even when the pushback against her is from one person and when is it that we employ the rule that a complaint, that, that a taina to break a chazaka has to be at least two people, says the Gemara, that's true when we have a chazaka of kashrus. When there's a chazaka of kashrus, so then, says the Gemara, then we uh well, then we need two then we need two people to ruin the chazaka. Aval hecha de leka chazaka de kashras chad nami behemet. So now we have a little bit more of a complex formula. When the family is pristine and in wonderful shape, white picket fence, then uh, then when the chaya, when the midwife says we, we that this baby's a coin, we trust her outright. When the family is not perfect, and even if there's only one aid, 
that combo is stronger than the opinion of the Chaya. And that is the second approach here. We are three lines from the bottom of Ein Gimel Amid Beis. We're going to move on to other similar types of cases where we have Ne'emonus. Ne'emon bal mekach lomar if I'm a store owner, I'm selling a product. So I can say I sold it to you, but I didn't sell it to you. That person is trusted. However, the Gemara qualifies this. When is it true that we trust the mocher, the seller, to say I sold to person A and not to person B? I made a purchase. So you uh, you made a purchase for me, but I'm still holding the product. So if I'm still holding the product and I'm not sure if I sold to Chaim or to Ruvain, I am the posek achor. I can say who I'm supposed to give it to. Aval ein mekobiado, but if I no longer have the mekach in hand, if I no longer have the product that I sold in hand, ein or neman, then the din is that that person is, uh, that the mocher is no longer trusted. Asks the Gemara, why? Turn to the top of Ayindal and Medal, Go see who's lacking money. Go look at uh, forensic accounting. Where was there a reduction from the bank account for the item that cost $47.20? Just go look. Go look on the credit card statement. Who spent money? Hitaka took money. The mocher took money from both people. This just happened to me this past week. Um, I'm so getting to the end of my lease. So the guy said to me, yeah, the car is yours. He calls me back 20 minutes later. I was on the way to go get the bag to make sure that the car was yours and somebody else got the right. Mamish, this case, two people had given money. I gave him my down payment for the car. Another guy at the same parallel time gave a down payment for the same exact car of which there was only one left on the lot. And I lost the car. But in that one moment, the mocher had money from both of us. And where was the car? It was beyond the mocher. Then we believe him. But once the car has been delivered to one person, then the mocher's opinion no longer matters anymore. So here the money was mitarvayu. The Omar, which is a little bit more of a nuance to Kimta here on the second line, the Omar, chad mitaitoy, the chad balkorcho. One person uh, uh, gave the money to the mocher because the mocher wanted to sell it. The other guy forced his money in. That's the Kimta that we're dealing with. The lo yadia, the mocher doesn't know, hai mitaito, hai lo mitaito. He doesn't remember who is who. Okay, that's why we can't look at who the money, uh, at who spent money, because we're dealing with a case where both people spent money. Next case, three lines down, and I would hope that the Dayan would remember, if he can remember every shach and taz in your day, he should remember how he paskins in a particular case. So we believe the Dayan to say that he was, uh, he, he one guy was acquitted and the other guy was held accountable. That's still true. That's only true, I should say, if everybody, the both the plaintiff and the defendant are standing right there. The din is that if they're not in front of him anymore, this is an unbelievable thing. Just could you, we don't believe the Dayan. Once they've left the, the Bezdin and it's unclear as to what the Psak was like, we don't trust the Dayan anymore. He has no Nehemanus to say who won and who lost. Says the Gemara, why? Just go look. There was a, there was something, some call to action took place after the Dayan. If it was a Machlokas about money, who has the money? If there was a star that was written as to who the victor was, go look at the star. So says the Gemara, Lo tzricha dekriya zechusayhu. Whatever the document was that indicated who won, plaintiff or defendant, that document was torn up. Okay, vene hader vene dayninhu. What's the big deal? If you have a shaila and you go through the halachic process, the answer is going to be the same. 
right? Should be. If you bring a, a Choshen Mishpat Shiloh to, to the Bezdin, the same Shiloh, you ask it twice, you should get the same answer. Says the Gemara, Bishuda the Daini. We're talking about a case where we were only relying on the judgment of the Seichel of the Dayan, but not on a Shach or on a Taz or on the Shulchan Aruch or on the Mishabrura. This was a case that is extra legal. It's outside of the framework of Halacha, as it were. They'll say, a new Shaila, there are no Mari Mekomos for this. We have a lot of these now with AI, with technology. Shilas come up all the time nowadays. Uh, uh, I, my gosh, there's so many examples. When you walk down the block, you're getting recorded by every uh, ring doorbell. Uh, there's so many new Shilas that come up. So until they're codified, it's Shuda Dadaini. So this was a case that was Shuda Dadaini, where we needed to rely on the judgment of the Dayan without there being a specific Mari Makam to support his Shita. So that's not fair to redo the case. And therefore, we only trust the Dayan when the plaintiff and defendant are in front of him, but not when they're not in front of him. Three people are trusted to say that a child is a Bechor. Eluhain, Chaya, the midwife of Vimo, the mother and the father. Chaya, the altar, the midwife only for as long as she's standing there delivering the child. Once she's no longer standing there, we saw Machlokas about this yesterday. Is it leaving the room or turning around? So that, the Chaya, we trust her for a very limited amount of time. Imo Kol Shiva, a mother, we trust her for seven days because during those seven days, the child basically never leaves her side. And uh, because of that, she is uh, for sure going to be Naaman. And Aviv Le'olam. It's uh, fascinating. We trust the father forever to say that a child is a Bechor. It's interesting that we don't say that by the mother, but we do say that by the father because the mother is the Vadai mother and the, the father is a Chazaka in, in the relationship as we've already discussed. This is a... This is difficult, but the Gemara explains how we got to this conclusion. Kiditanya, um, it's a pasuk yakir, um, uh, and the Gemara says yakirenu leacherim. The father is trusted not because of any logic that we can insert, but because the Torah asserted the logic, which is not even a logic, just a, a din doraisa that we trust the father to say that a child is a bechor. Mikan says the Gemara. Mikan Amar of Yehuda neman adam lomar zebni bechori uchashem sheneman lomar. Zebni Bechori, just like this Pasuk of Yakir, teaches us that a father is trusted to say that his child is a Bechor. We also trust him to say that a child is a Ben Grusha or Ben Chalutza. I think you jumped too far. The fact that a father can make an established decision about a child being a Bechor or not is based on the Pasuk of Yakir. How did you get to Ben Grusha, Ben Chalutza? That's a big jump, and the Gemara does not want to hear about it. That's why the Chachamim argue. Okay, that brings us to the two dots, a third of the way down. If you'll recall, we spoke about a shtuki and an asufi. A shtuki is a person where we know the mother, but not the father, because every time the, the, the child says, oh, is that my Abba? The mother goes, shh. Shtuki, she tells the kid to be quiet, thus the name Shtuki. And we saw in, in a Mishnah earlier that Abba Shaul had another name for a Shtuki, which was Baduki. Now, so yes, the case of a Sufi is even worse where there's no parents. It's like it's safe haven rules, you know, it's like just dropping a kid at a hospital. Yeah, it's a, it's crazy town, which happens fairly often. Uh, I mean, for our standards, shockingly often. <laughs> No, and, and maybe there are, are times that it's uh, better for the baby that way, but it's still sad. You're correct.
So the Gemara wants to know, why did Abba Shaul have to give him another title for this person? We were fine with Shtuki. It was sad enough that way. Now you're going to say Baduki, that he had to be checked. What does this even mean? Says the Gemara, my Baduki. Why is it, first of all, what does Baduki mean? But more broadly is what was Abba Shaul trying to communicate by adding another name? Elema, if you want to say Shabodkinis Emo, that we have to check the status of the mother. The Omeres, Lakasher Nivalti, Nemenes, to say that she would say that I, I conceived from a man who was a Kasher. If that's what you want to say, and Keman Kerabban Kamliel, and you want to say that that's like the sheet of Rabban Gamliel. So then our Mishnah shouldn't have to go out of its way to label this child a Baduki by checking the mother as to who she conceived from. Because after all, Tanina Chadazimna. We already have a Marimakom, one that we have seen uh, in Maseches Ksubis a few times, Ditznan. A woman was pregnant, and they said to her, What is the status of this child? And She is allowed to then say, that this child is a kosher. Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Lazar, Omrim, Ne'emenes. We trust her, which is exactly what we thought the word Baduki was. So it can't be that Baduki is coming to teach us a din that was already taught in a brisa, in a mishnah, in Maseches Ksubis. Let's finish out the brisa. Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Lomi Pia Anuchayin, we don't believe her. From Rabbi Yehuda Marshmul, Halacha Kerabban Gamliel. So because Rabbi Yehuda Marshmul already paskin like Rabban Gamliel for the Mishnah and Maseches Ksuvis, so therefore it makes no sense that Abba Shaul would double down on a very clear halacha. If it's so clear from Maseches Ksuvis that we paskin like Rabban Gamliel that she's Naamenes, why did Abba Shaul rename the Shtuki Abduki to teach the same exact halacha that we already knew that she's Naamenes? Says the Gemara, because we need to have more nuance. We need to make a, distinct, a distinction. We first have to make sure that the mother has a status of kosher, and we then have to make sure, I should say, let me say better. We first have to make sure that the mother conceived from a man who is kosher, and second, we then have to establish that the daughter is kosher. So that's why we have two Marimakomos. We have the Mishnah and Maseches, Ksubis, and we have the, the Mishnah right here, where Abishol renamed the Shtuki Abduki to teach us two denim, one that the mother we trust, and the second that the daughter we also assume is, is kosher. So it says the Gemara halfway down on Ayindal Maralev Honicha, I understand that you might need two Marimakomos to teach one for the mother, one for the daughter, where Liman de Amar, where we hold the Divrei Hamachshir Ba Posel where the halacha is that by a mother, she might well be kosher, but her daughter might well be puzzle. That's why we need two marimakomos in this case to teach us that even here the daughter is kosher. But according to the shita that says, by definition, once we understand that the mother is a kosher, then we don't need to do any more research because we then therefore automatically assume that the daughter is a kosher. So then we don't need two marimakomos. We don't need both Abishol teaching us that a shtuki is a baduki, and also the Mishnah from Maseches Ksubis. So Abishol, my asala ashmuinan. What then is Abishol coming to teach? According to the Shita, that the daughter immediately automatically follows whatever the status of the mother is. And once the mother is proven, or she's ne'emenes, to say that she conceived from someone who was a kosher, the whole story is over even about the bus. What's Abishol adding? So says the Gemara, Da Abishol adifa midirabban gamliel. The sheet of Abba Shaul <laughs> goes even further than Rabban Gamliel. Let's see why. We're two-thirds of the way down on Ayin Dal and Malach. The Gemara says, the Ime Hasam, 
if I would have only had the shita of Rabban Gamliel, that a woman is Ne'emenes, well, Havamina, that she might have only been Ne'emenes in a particular case, that Hasam, the Rov Ksherinetzla, perhaps it's only true where most of the people that she's exposed to are Ksherim, Avalhecha, the Rov Psulinetzla, but maybe if she's exposed to a community where most of the people available to her are not Ksherim, they're Psulin, then perhaps low, perhaps we would say she's not Ne'emenes. Kamash Malan Tzricha, therefore the Gemara says that's why Abishal is, is a starker shita. Rabban Gamliel is the baseline. We trust her in a regular case scenario where, where rove of the men around her are Ksherim. What Abishal is adding is that we even trust her when rove of the men around her are not Ne'emenes. And that already is a big Chiddush. Omar Rava, Halacha, Ka'abashol, it's taka true. We trust this woman to say, I can see from someone, even if Rove uh, of the people around her are not Ne'emenes. Uh, rove of the people around her are not Ksherim, they're Psulim. <laughs> so let's uh, let's bring this halacha lemaisa just for a moment. Let's say, um, I've dealt with this before with uh, women who've conceived from sperm banks, from sperm donors. Uh, what's the status of your child? Cohen? Maybe. There's no Tash Mishamita. Sperm banks are weird places. So what do we do? So if she says, I ensured that the Zerah is, I'm, I'm playing this out because I'm not opposing, but if we ensured, if she ensured that the Zerah was from someone who's a Yid, first of all, that's complicated in one way, but easier in another because at least now Yichus, but does Yichus happen without Tash Shemitah? That's a Dion as well. Ben Sira, the Mikvah, okay. All right, let's continue. We're at a new Mishnah now, and this Mishnah is similar to the previous Mishnah. Uh, the previous Mishnah that we had learned a couple of blot ago was discussing about uh, people getting married who are mamzerim, who's allowed to get married and who's not allowed to get married. And that's why this Mishnah sounds duplicative. The Mishnah writes three-fourths of the way down on Ayin Dalad, anyone who's usher to marry into the kahal, they're allowed to marry one another. So says the Gemara, that's the Tanakhama, Rabbi Huda Oser. This is cryptic a little bit because this broad category of Hasur and Lavo Bekal, we have to see what that means. The Gemara is going to ask on this. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Vada'an Bivada'an, when we have people who are Asur and Lavo Bekal, if they're both Vada'i not able to marry into the Kahal, Mutter. If you have a man who's a Vada'i not able to marry into the Kahal and a woman who's Vada'i not able to marry, that's easy. They can marry one another, no problem. If one person is a vadai and the other person is a suffix or the reverse, if the man is one and the woman is the other, or vice versa, or in all three of these iterations, Asr, because when we say that there's a suffix, what that means is that it might be that they're not allowed to marry into the kahal, but it might be that they are allowed to marry into the kahal. And because there's a chance that they might be able to marry to the kahal, they can't marry a vadai, who's not allowed to marry to the kahal, because that might be usher. The who are the people who fall into the category of our Mishnah when we talk about a suffix, shtuki, asufi, vikusi. Um, a shtuki, as we've discussed, is a child who knows his mother, but not his father. And a sufi is a child who knows neither his mother nor his father. And a kusi, as we've discussed throughout Shas, has different um, different uh, explanations in different parts of Shatz. Here we're talking about the conversions of the Kusi people when they converted uh, out of fear, uh, out of fear of being killed by lions. So then we had a kasha on whether or not their uh, their gerus was considered valid. 
Okay, so now we have to analyze our Gemara, uh, our Mishnah. My kol asur lavo bekal. Who was the Mishnah referring to when it said that they're asur lavo bekal? Ilema mamzire unesine shtuke ve'asufe. If you want to say that the beginning of our Mishnah, when it says that the people that we're talking about who are asur and lavo bekal are talking about these four groups of Mamzer, uh, Nasin, Shtuki, and Asufi. That can't be. Hatan Resha, the previous Mishnah, already discussed it. What did the previous Mishnah say? Quote, Mamzeri, Nusine, Shtuki, Asufi, Mutarn, Lavo, We already learned that then. That can't be what our Mishnah is talking about. Visu, and furthermore, what does it mean for Rabbi Yehuda Oser? Ohaya, when Rabbi Yehuda says that something is Oser, who's he talking about? Ilema, if you want to say that Rabbi Yehuda was saying that it was Asr in the case of Avadon Bisvekon. If you want to say that Rabbi Yehuda was saying that that's Asr, well, Hamid Katani Seifa, the end of the Mishnah, discussed that clearly of Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Vadon Bivadon Mutter, Vadon Bisvekon, Bisvekon, Bisvekon Asr, Michlad Rabbi Yehuda, Losfirale. It implies Rabbi Yehuda would hold that it's Mutter in regards to the case of Safek and Vada getting married. So therefore, it can't be that our Mishnah is talking about a Mamzer and a Nasin. If you want to say Rabbi Huda Oser Ager Bemamzeres, that when our Mishnah says Rabbi Huda Oser, he's talking about a different case, which is a case of a ger marrying a mamzeres, which we saw yesterday and the day before on this topic, says the Gemara Midi Ger Bemamzeres Ktani. That's Pasha, not what our Mishnah is talking about. So I'm going to review the question one more time outside because the rest of today is four answers to this question. So we need to make sure we have the question clear so that the answers are potentially going to work. We're going to reject three of them, but uh, the last one actually does work. We're bothered by the language of our Mishnah. The Mishnah that opens at the bottom of Ayin Dalit says, Kol lavo Anyone who's not allowed to marry into the Kal, they're allowed to marry each other. And the Gemara says that cannot be talking about mamzerim, nesinim, shtukim, and asu, because we already said that in a previous Mishnah. So who is the Mishnah referring to when it says that they're asr lavo bekal? That's the Gemara's question. Mm-hmm. Let's present answer number one. Says the Gemara, uh, oh, I didn't even finish the question. Kol asr lavo bekal It can't be that we're talking about gerba mamzeris because it says kol asr lavo bekal. So therefore, we need to figure out what does our Mishnah mean when it says kol asr lavo bekal? Omar Rav Yehuda. Let's figure out the Machlokas Tanakam and Rav Yehuda. This Rav Yehuda who's answering this question is an Abora. It's not the Tan of our Mishnah, obviously. And the Gemara, as we turn to the top of Ayin Dalim at Beis, gives its first answer. Um, Before I do this first answer, just my schedule is a little chaotic today. We're going to learn one blot tonight. I'm going to record early tomorrow uh, one half of an Amud. I'll do one Amud, excuse me. And then on Shabbos at 2.50, we'll do a blot and a half. That's going to be our game plan. Okay. Hachi Kamar. Here's how we understand what it means, Asur and Lavobekal. Kol Asur and Lavobekal Kehuna. Now we're talking about Kohanim. We're talking about those who are not allowed to marry Kohanim. My Ninhu. Who is it that we are talking about? Who is the Mishnah uh, discussing when it says that they're not allowed to marry into the Kal of Kohanim? So says the Gemara, Maybe we're talking about a Gioris who's younger than three. What did our Mishnah say? Our Mishnah had said that anyone who is usher to be Yavo Bekal is Mutarm Lavo Zebosin. 
So the Gemara says that these children who are who became a Gioris before the age of three, so then we assume that when even when they're older, that they can get married. Not like Rib Shimon ben Yochai, who held that they were still problematic to marry. They mutaram uh, He held that there was no iser for them at all to get married, uh, even if they were uh, older than three, they could still marry a Kohen. Says the Gemara, why don't we establish our Mishnah like Rib Shimon ben Yochai? We're on Ayin Dalad Ahmed Bey's four lines, four lines down. Maybe, perhaps, says the Gemara, the Nukva Bevas Shaloshan of Yom Echad ben Yochai. Why didn't we establish our Mishnah, the Machlokas Tanakama and Rabbi Huda, like the Sheet of Rabbi Reb Shimon Ben Yochai, that we're talking about a girl who converted even when she was older than three, and therefore uh, she's three years old? Why can't we do that? Says the Gemara, in Cain, Mitzida Tavra, great language. Then the side is broken, a little bit of a catchphrase. Uh, it means that then we have a, a big problem. There's a hole in the boat kind of a thing. Why? <clears throat> I wonder if that's actually where it came from. You see the Tavra? No. No. So says the Gemara, that doesn't work because says the Gemara, after all, the reason why we have a concern about the age is because that when she's under that age, she's allowed to marry a Kohen, but but she's not allowed to marry a Mamzeres. So what do we see from here? According to Reb Shimon Ben Yochai, when a girl converts when she's less than three years old, she's That won't work in our Mishnah. Our Mishnah can't be Reb Shimon Ben Yochai because if this young girl had been under three, she wouldn't only be allowed to marry a coin, she'd also be allowed to marry a mamzer. And that's for sure not true. That's not what our Mishnah says. So therefore, our Mishnah is not like Rav Shemim ben Yochai. And the Gemara has presented answer number one. Answer number one is found on the top line of Ayin Talmud Beis, that the Machloka is Tanakam and Rabbi Huda is discussing Kol Asrim Lavo Bekal Kehuna. We're talking about restrictions on marrying a Kohen and not talking about mamzerim like the Havamin of the Gemara said. <clears throat> says the Gemara, this does not work. Is it really a general rule about Kohanim? That anyone who's ushered to marry a Kohen are allowed to marry Mamzerim. That's for sure not true. After all, a quarter of the way down on Ayin Dalad we have these, uh, these, this group of women, a widow, a woman who's divorced, a halala, a woman who's born to a relationship from a Kohen that should not have been, Vizona, a woman who has been promiscuous. They're They're not allowed to marry a Kohen. A woman who has slept with someone is not allowed to marry a Kohen. And they're also usher to marry a Mamzer. So therefore, the general rule that we try to extract from our Mishnah with answer number one does not work. Vesu and furthermore, Hamutter, had it been that they were mutter to marry a Kohen, it would imply Aster that they're not allowed to marry a Mamzer, which also doesn't fit in our Mishnah. After all, says the Gemara, We see that a Ger breaks this concern. We see that a Ger is allowed to marry a Kohen, and a Ger is also allowed to marry a Mamzeres. We saw this as Shitas Rava the other day, that he allowed, uh, remember we were discussing uh, who can talk to the Gerim, 
because it's very difficult to say that they that they're not part of the kal. So that's what Rabbah taught at that time, and that halacha is being repeated over here. And therefore, answer number one is no longer valid. <clears throat> so now we're back to uh, square one. We have to figure out what's the machlokas between the Tanakam and Rabbi Huda and our Mishnah. And the Gemara says a third of the way down with answer number two. El Amar of Nosan Bar Hoshaya Hachi Kamar Kol Shekohen Aser Lisa Esbito. We're talking about. Uh, a case scenario where a Kohen is not allowed to marry a person's daughter. So person X, let's say he's a man. If a Kohen is not allowed to marry her daughter, that is the machlokas between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda. What type of person are we talking about? Let's say that I have a friend who's a ger, Shinasa Giyores. So two people, they became gerim, and they married after they became gerim, and they had a child, Uche Rebelazar ben Yaakov. He holds mutarim lavo zebazet. That's going to be the Tanakama. And Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah would be Oser. So perhaps that's the case that we're dealing with in our Mishnah. The Gemara says this also doesn't work because uklalahu, is this really a general rule? Is it true that anyone whose uh, daughter can't marry a Kohen? That under those circumstances, she would be able to marry a mamzer. After all, hare chalal. We have a case of a chalal shenasa bas yisrael to kohen aser lisa bito. A kohen is not allowed to marry the daughter of that relationship of the chalal. But the asurinami lavo zebazet. So your general rule doesn't play out, says the gemara. That's not a good argument because lokasha halfway down karav dustai ben rabbi huda. This is a shita that we saw a couple of times already, and we'll probably see a couple more times, that Abbas Chalal is allowed to marry a Kohen. We saw this many blot ago. It says over here, Samach Dalit, about uh, 10, 12 blot ago. It says the Gemara, wait one second, we have a case of a Chalal who married a Chalala, the Kohen, Aser Lisa Bito, a Kohen's not allowed to marry them, but Aser Nami, they're also usher to marry a mamzer. So they're doubly restricted. They also don't fit the profile of our Mishnah. And furthermore, if you're going to say they're mutter to marry uh, the Kohen, they'd still be usher to marry a mamzer. And then says the Gemara, just as the final press against answer number two, so that we reject it. If you have a, a ger, he just converted and he married a regular Jew, the Kohen, Mutter Li Sabito, they are allowed to marry the daughter Mutar So it can't be that there's a machlokas between the various shitas of the Tanakam and Rabbi Huda. That doesn't work. Tanakam Rabbi Huda cannot be arguing about this. So the Gemara then presents its third answer. Rav Nachman was of the opinion of Rav Nachman of Rabbi Barabua. Hacha, we're talking about Mamzer me Achoso, Umamzer me Eshes Ish Ikabenaihu. There's a machlokas about the status of the child born to a brother and sister who have had children together. Says the Gemara, Tanakama Savar, we're uh, two thirds of the way down, a little bit more. The Tanakama was of the opinion. Afilu mamzer me'achoso nami havi mamzer. It's a shtikl chiddush because you're, you're not chayv misa for that tash mishamita, you're chayv kares. Says the Gemara that afilu mamzer me'achoso, that child is still going to be considered a mamzer. Brother and a sister have a child, the child's a mamzer. Rabbi Yehuda Savar, no. Me'eshes ish havi mamzer, me'achoso lo have mamzer and that's the machlokas between the tanakam and rabbi huda so perhaps that is con- is what our mishnah is talking about on ayin dalit amadal the mishnah we started at the bottom of the page says the gemara well 
No, because my Kamashmalan, why would we need that source? After all, Tanina, we already have a Mishnah. Rabbi Akiva was of the opinion that a child will be a Mamzer, even if there's just an Isser Lav in the intimacy between the man and the woman, even if there's no Kares, even if there's no uh, capital punishments. He was very Makbid that any baby born from an Usser relationship, if there's an Isser Lav, the child is a Mamzer. So says the Gemara, that's the Shita of Rabbi Akiva. Shimon Atemani Omer, Kol and Alav, Kares He says the threshold to become a Mamzer is higher. Only if it were to be the case that a man and a woman were intimate and that she got pregnant. If that relationship, that intimacy is Chayv Kares, then only then would the child be a Mamzer. The Halacha Kidvar, we paskin like him. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yoshua, Merkol Shechayavanalav Misa's Bezdin. So, what we see over here in this Brisa is the same machlokas between the Tanakama and Rabbi Yehuda, according to answer number three. And therefore, answer number three is not valid. You can't tell me that the machlokas that we had from the Brisa of Ezu Mamzer is the same machlokas that we have over here with our Mishnah on Ayin Dal We don't do that in Shas. We're very careful about how many times we quote things. We're not going to have the same exact machlokas quoted twice. So therefore, the Gemara goes to its fourth and final answer, and we'll be ending with this answer five lines from the bottom of the page. Ella says the Gemara, 12 lines from the bottom, Ella Amarava. We're talking about a ger amoni umoavi, a double knock. He's from the nation of Ammon and Moab, who's already restricted of marrying into the Jewish people. And then he became a ger. So says the Gemara as follows. When our Mishnah says, What were we talking about? That's ger Ammoni umoavi, mutarim lavo zebaze. That if you have a ger from the nations of Ammon and Moab, and male and female, they can marry one another. Says the Gemara, Okay, I hear you. That explains the Tanakama. But why would Rabbi Yehuda say Usser in such a case? Ihachi, if that's true, Pashut might that they should be able to get married. Ihachi, my Rabbi Yehuda Oser. So says the Gemara, Afal Pish Rabbi Yehuda Oser, Gerbe Mamzeres, even though Rabbi Yehuda in our Mishnah would hold that there would be an Isser of a Gerbe Mamzeres, that a Ger is not allowed to marry a Mamzeres. Hani Mili, Hani Mili Ger de Ra'oi that's true of a regular ger who's not coming from Amon and Moab, a regular ger who can marry into the Ka'al. But the Allah would be different by the world of a ger of Amon and Moab. That the Allah was different, that he would say uh, would be Usr. So this fourth answer is acceptable. And I'll just summarize and then we'll stop. We had asked a question about our Mishnah on Kedush and Ayin Dalat and Amadalat toward the bottom of the page. What does the language in the Mishnah mean when it says, And what did Rabbi Huda mean when he said, Oser? So the Gemara concludes, we're talking about a Ger Amon Umoab. The Tanakama was of the opinion that they were Mutarim Zebazeh. Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that they are not Mutarim Zebazeh. We'll stop right here. A recording for Ayin Hayam at Aleph tomorrow. And on Shabbos, we'll do Ayin Hayam at Bez and Ayin Vav together at 2.50, right after the 2.30 Mincha. Wishing you all a beautiful night.